Our lesson from the epistle today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. There's an Old Testament quote in uh, verse 13. If you have your Hebrew Bibles with you, um, it comes from Psalm 115. If you have your English Bible, it comes from Psalm 116. So uh, the the enumeration of the Psalms are slightly different at at various parts. Uh, But Psalm 116 is, uh, is where this quotation Paul uses comes from. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture... Here he quotes, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake so that grace as it extends to more and more people may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, you are good. Your love endures forever. You have given us your spirit, your word, the sacraments, the church. We are grateful today for your promise to us. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you alone, O Lord, are our rock and our mighty Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look today at the weight of glory, at this brief passage, we see the promise that we are to be raised with Jesus. We see the promise that the resurrection is not something that just happened to Jesus, but it is something that God has in store for you and for me When you walk through a graveyard, it is an interesting thought that God will allow the trumpet to be blown, that the dead will be raised incorruptible, for our mortal bodies will put on immortality, our corruptible bodies will put on incorruptibility, and then the saying will be fulfilled, death has been swallowed up in victory. So Paul says, just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with the Scripture, and here he goes back to the Psalms and he is saying our faith is the same faith of Israel, it is the same faith of the psalmist. I believed and so I spoke. We believe and we speak. 
We believe and we speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. We talk about this resurrection in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We believe in the resurrection and that as Jesus was raised from the dead, so too we will be raised. God is preparing us for glory. Now, sometimes this is fun. When we learn about God, when we first read uh, Genesis, for example, I bet I have read Genesis 200 times. I still love the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and Sarah. I still love the family dynamics that are just the same as the family dynamics that we face. Maybe not just the same. I've never tried to give my wife away like Abraham did. But, uh, there are some dynamics that are, that are very, very similar in the stories of the Bible to those that we face every day. But all of this is preparing us for glory. And sometimes it's fun to be prepared for glory. This past week, I wish that you could have seen, we kind of had to seal off the, uh, the, the campus here, but I wish you could have seen the 140-ish kids that were learning about the Lord and were coming together with a bunch of college students who, I don't know what their uh, criteria is for hiring, but it's good. Uh, these are amazing young people who were, were teaching the kids. It's fun. It's just fun. It's like I didn't have a, I didn't have a role at camp other than to, to, you know, be kind of a benevolent fatherly figure that wanders around and says hello to folks. But, you know, I found myself just watching. It was fun. It was fun to watch. But sometimes this preparation for glory is not fun. Sometimes this preparation for glory becomes tedious. Sometimes this preparation for glory, let's get real, this preparation for glory means that we, with our frail mortal bodies, we prepare for glory over a lifetime. Paul says this, we don't lose heart even though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure because we look not at what can be seen but at what cannot be seen because what can be seen is temporary and what cannot be seen is eternal. If we look at the themes there, one of them is that there are outer and inner natures and our outer nature may in fact decay, may in fact be weaker today than it was two or three years ago. It may, in fact, be, as in Paul's case, filled with all of the experiences from being lashed to being shipwrecked to being imprisoned. Our outer and our inner natures 
They're not always moving in the same direction. Something happened to me this past week. It happened twice. The first time, nothing really happened. I was just going down the steps, and my left knee gave out. I've never had a problem with my knee before. And then, a couple of days later, I was just kind of walking along, taking photographs, and my left knee gave out again. And I had my big camera, and I I would have fallen flat on my face, but I fell flat on my camera. So the camera hit the ground, and my face hit the camera, and, you know, that wouldn't have happened to me three or four years ago. But the outer nature, the outer nature is, it happens when you become a grandpa or a great-grandpa. It just happens that sometimes our outer natures and our inner natures are not moving in the same direction. But hear me, our outer nature may be wasting away. But what's happening to you on the inside? Even if you've got gout, even if it's harder to get up than it used to be, even if there's something wrong with you that, that you wish were not wrong, with, what's happening to you on the inside? Because even if you are wasting away on the outside, you can be coming alive on the inside. Even if things are not going so well for you, Physically, there is a spiritual reality that can be unfolding inside you. Now, Paul describes these as slight momentary afflictions. And I'll take that from Paul because Paul had quite a few of these slight momentary afflictions, as I alluded to earlier, from shipwrecks to beatings to being imprisoned to having to be let down along the city wall in a basket. Paul had plenty of slight momentary afflictions, but he reminds us that even with these slight and momentary afflictions, there is more to reality than meets the eye. There is what can be seen, and then there is the unseen. There is what can be touched, but there is something that is incredibly real that we cannot yet put our finger on. There's more to reality. There is more to life than meets the eye. And he talks very clearly about looking not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen because what can be seen is temporary and that which is behind it all the reality of God that is something that we cannot yet see now when we get into chapter 5 Paul talks about a tent and a building he says we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Notice the difference between the tent, that which is movable, which can be taken down, and that which is temporarily placed in a certain area and, and then moved on to somewhere else. The imagery between the tent and the nomadic kinds of dwellers and the image of the building that which is permanent, which stays, that which lasts. Paul says right now we live in a tent. 
but God when he raises us from the dead. When this earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building. We have a house. Not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. It was a year ago that we found out that uh, Remy had glioblastoma. And uh, man, he was a strong kid. Um, we found out that uh, it was the, the week after Memorial Day that it was bad and that it was not something he was going to recover from. Um, it's been a tough month with graduation happening. Three weeks ago, as we uh, shared a wonderful time with our graduates here, three weeks ago we had two when we should have had three. And then there was baccalaureate that night where we had two when we had intended to have three. And then there was prom. All this happened in one week. It's like, let's do everything in the school year in one week. And going to prom, we had two and not three. Graduation, beautiful. Uh, doing all that we can to celebrate, uh, to celebrate Alex and Zach while at the same time to recognize that somebody is missing. Uh, and then there was the party on Saturday out in the backyard. A good time. A good time, but somebody's missing. We know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands. Eternal in the heavens. This slight momentary affliction. Now, those of you who know what this is like know that describing is a slight momentary affliction. If it weren't coming for Paul, from Paul, I would say, oh, hush. It's not, a, it's not a slight momentary affliction. It is a life-changing kind of thing. But Paul says this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. What does it take? What does it take? On the one hand, there's the slight momentary affliction, which we remember. You, you know, you, you've been through similar things. We remember. We'll never be the same. But how long has God got to make things right? How long does God have to mend broken hearts? How long does God have to put together all of those pieces that, that maybe our lives have fallen into? God's got a long time. More than 10 years, more than 100 years, more than 100,000 years, God has all of eternity to offer to us the weight of glory, this eternal weight of glory. And so the scales, whatever happens to be on one side, 
God's eternity. Life in the presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit partaking of His love. All of this is ours if we live in communion with God. The eternal weight of glory, that's a phrase that C.S. Lewis absolutely loved, the weight of glory. In fact, he's got an essay, The Weight of Glory. You can read it in a sitting. It's not that long at all, unless you have ADD. And then you might read it in five sittings. It's okay. But one of the things that C.S. Lewis says about the weight of glory is that we are bound for eternity. All of us are bound for eternity. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations begin and end. Cultures come and go. Arts and civilizations, these are mortal. And they are to our lives as the life of a gnat. It is immortals with whom we work, joke with, marry, snub, exploit. And all of us will become either immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And God invites us. God invites us to become everlasting splendors. God invites us to receive the weight of glory in which it is said, well done, good and faithful servant. God invites us to believe in what can't be seen and to believe that it is as real, even more real than that which can be seen. We have a little wine, a little bread. These we can see. What we can't see is what God does with this as we come together in faith and as we gather at the table. What we can't see is that there is a spiritual reality that we participate in joining with Christians since the very beginning of Christianity sharing in this sacrament. What we can see prepares us for what we can't see. And all of these slight and momentary afflictions all of these are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. And that eternal weight of glory, whatever is on the other side of the scale, God will make the broken whole. God will mend the heart that aches. God will restore the life that is gone. God will bring victory from this history that we're a part of. God will do it because he is committed to his people. He is 
committed to those who trust in him and love him. And so, remembering that commitment, we remember on the night that Jesus offered himself up for us. We remember that he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body that is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup and when he had given thanks to the Father, he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these God's mighty acts in Christ Jesus, we offer ourselves in union with Christ's offering for us as a holy and living sacrifice as we proclaim the mystery of faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. O oh Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts scattered throughout this sanctuary of bread and the cup. We ask that you make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we would be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. With the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. With the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as the Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.